Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey folks, welcome back to the show. Today, we're gonna kick off our episode with a bit of a sponsor thank you to Berkeley Life Nitric Oxide. And I wanna talk to you about it for just a second. And I just wanna say that if nitric oxide isn't part of your daily routine yet, then you will definitely wanna listen to this message. Short, it's sweet, and it's got some good information in it. Let's start with the fact that your body is home to over 60,000 miles of blood vessels, and that is not an exaggeration. Nitric oxide is critical to helping circulate blood to all those vessels through vasodilation. And while it's made naturally in the body, we produce less nitric oxide as we age, resulting in diminished blood flow and less effective circulation of critical oxygen, key nutrients, and glucose, and might I add, removal of waste products from your cells. So Berkeley Life is my go-to for nitric oxide support. I take my two dietary nitrate capsules in the morning and I am set. The more I learn about nitric oxide, including its impact on proper hormone balance and even oxidative stress, the more I encourage my clients to join me in incorporating Berkeley Life's easy daily supplement into their morning routine. I also have pretty much every member of my family on it too. Berkeley's high quality supplements are available at berkeleylife.com. And by using my practitioner code NIDDBL when you register and at checkout, you will get to save 10% off your first order. So once again, that's berkeleylife.com. You're going to want to register and use that practitioner code NIDDBL. Okay, now let's talk a bit about this episode. You may be familiar with the nine hallmarks of aging, but did you know that just this year, another three were added, bringing us up to a total of 12? And it might seem a little overwhelming to have 12 aging processes to keep up with, but if you think about it, it's really important to understand that many, if not every one of them, are actually interrelated. And one thing we've learned about these processes that drive aging are that they start at a cellular process level before they actually move up to affect the entire system. So this gives us the opportunity to try and intercept and correct them earlier on so that we can live longer, healthier lives. Today, I am joined by a good friend and colleague, Leslie Kenny, who is the founder of Oxford HealthSpan and co-founder of the Oxford Longevity Project. Leslie and I talk about the hallmarks of aging, including how the processes are interconnected and what we can do to slow these processes down. And of course, we also dive into polyamines, specifically spermidine, and how it can boost autophagy. Spermidine actually can hit nine of those hallmarks of aging. And so we're going to talk about some of those. Leslie herself is an autoimmune survivor. She is a thriver. This woman is a force. She's a certified health coach, and she is the founder and CEO of Oxford HealthSpan, bringing consumers the latest scientifically-based molecules proven to slow aging. She is also the co-founder of the nonprofit Oxford Longevity Project, which aims to bring the latest scientific breakthroughs on healthy aging to the general public. Leslie holds degrees from Berkeley and from Harvard. Now, in this episode, you're going to learn how polyamines are derived from amino acids, and they play a role in slowing down the process of aging. The most well-known polyamine is spermidine, and it helps to boost autophagy. There are many other molecules in foods and whole food sources, so it's important to consume nutrients through eating whole foods. 
You're also going to learn that the body is able to regenerate and self-renew itself if we're just able to remove the obstacles and facilitate those processes. And we're going to talk about those. And you're also going to learn about Leslie's top suggestions for longevity, including eating intentionally, joyful movement, sleep, and early morning sunlight. Now, to learn more about Oxford HealthSpan and Primadine, all you have to do is go to OxfordHealthSpan.com. You're also going to want to make sure to follow them on Instagram because these guys post amazing content on longevity and slowing down aging. Their blog on their website is also fantastic. Now, they've also put together a great offer for you, the listeners. All you have to do is go to OxfordHealthSpan.com, go shopping, and when you check out, use code BIONAT15 to save 15% off your purchase. Now, you guys know how much I appreciate you. I'm going to tell you again, I totally appreciate you and value your time that you spend with me here. Now, if you're feeling that this episode could be useful to anybody else in your world, please make sure to share it with your network, your friends, your family. And if you're feeling inspired today, please do make sure that you leave us a review because it's those reviews that help this podcast to rise up the ranks and ultimately help me to get more amazing guests for you. If you're looking to contact me or to send me some comments or questions, whatever the case may be, make sure to go to my website, natnidham.com. That's where you're going to get to learn about my membership community called BSP Community on Mighty Networks. It's also where you can sign up for my newsletter uh, where I talk about the latest episodes. We talk about peptides. We talk about new stuff on the market, talk about all kinds of stuff. It's also how you would find out when my peptide crash course is finally able for, available for purchase. Now, one thing about the membership community is if you join as an annual member, you automatically get access to the peptide crash course. So that's a pretty significant perk for you guys. You also on the website get to find out about my next women's longevity and resilience retreat. We only have 10 spots available. It's happening November 1st to 6th in beautiful Cabarete in the Dominican Republic. And if this is even a little bit interesting to you, you definitely want to check it out. So thank you again for being here, you guys. I totally appreciate you. And let's dive into Primadine and Oxford HealthSpan. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that all of the information presented in this podcast is for information purposes only. No medical advice, no diagnosing, no treatments suggested here. Before you try anything that you hear about or learn about here, make sure that you check with your medical provider. Welcome back to the show, Leslie Kenny. It's so exciting to have you here again. I'm thrilled. So thrilled. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for you guys, we've been trying to make this second episode happened for, I don't know, months now. And it's just been <laughs> one thing after another. So one thing is that if you guys want the backstory on Leslie Kenny, I would invite you to go back to the first episode that we recorded together, which I think came out in December of 2020. It was probably the first or second episode of that month. And you'll get to hear all about Leslie's history as a sexologist and her journey through ancient Taoist scrolls and all that that backstory that kind of brought her to the where she founded this incredible company, Oxford HealthSpan. But today we're going to pick up kind of three years later and talk a little bit more about, you know, the circles that Leslie is moving in, which are really interesting, and the research that you're contributing to, the symposiums that you're hosting, uh, so much interesting stuff, which is going to bring us to our conversation on longevity, autophagy, mitophagy, all of these different incredible cellular processes that 
you know, we're as we learn about these things that drive aging as at a cellular and systemic level, it gives us the opportunity to try and intercept them and maybe correct them so that we can live longer, healthier lives. So on that note, Leslie, tell us about all these amazing symposiums and organizations that you're connected to. Well, I suppose the first one uh, is the Japan Autophagy Consortium. You know, we really can't have a conversation on longevity without talking about research done in Japan. So since 2012, there have been four Nobel Prizes in medicine or physiology awarded to Japanese scientists, starting in 2012 with Yamanaka for the Yamanaka factors, uh, which Jeff Bezos has just bankrolled with Altos Labs, and then going to uh, to 2016 uh, with Yoshinori Osumi and his discovery of the mechanism of action of autophagy or cell renewal. Then uh, you have uh, two other scientists um, who have discovered different things. One uh, specifically in medicine, which was uh, which was a cure for for a specific. Uh, pathogenic disease, whose name, I'm sorry to say, escapes me. And then the third is Professor Hanjo, who received his Nobel in 2018 for his work on cancer and identifying a particular protein that was involved in tumorigenesis. So he shared that with James Allison of the University of Texas. And the Japan Autophagy Consortium, to which uh, Osumi Sensei is a senior advisor, was established really as a way to take breakthrough science specifically around autophagy and get commercial bodies involved. So you have academia, you have government uh, and policymakers, and then you have industry. And how can they work together to take this amazing science around cell renewal and apply it in as many places as possible. Because as we know, Japan is aging faster than any other population on the planet. Yet they are doing it better than so many other places. If we compare their per capita investment in healthcare, which is around 4,000 US dollars a year per person versus that of the United States, which is over 11,000, their health outcomes are so much better mm. and for so little investment. But they do this because prevention is a big part of their ethos. And so the fact the Japanese government is getting behind autophagy so early and saying, we've got to make sure everybody understands that they are capable of activating autophagy with lifestyle, sleep, diet, um, fasting. There are all these things that can be done exercise. And then they're getting industry involved in order to make products that can help with uh, with activating autophagy as well. And so it's very exciting. Both Professor Hanjo and Professor Osumi are involved with it. And um, that is that really lights me up when I see such a coordinated um, effort on behalf of those three pillars, industry, government, academia. Yeah. And I wish other countries would be as proactive. Yeah, I think it's no really kidding. an opportunity for other, other nations to learn as we all get older. For sure. And I just want to qualify one thing. When you say that the Jap Japan is aging faster than anywhere else in the world, what you're saying is, and, and because I was like, well, wait a minute, if they're aging faster... 
is, is that their population, like their birth rate is low, right? And the population yes. is skewing towards elderly, and yet they have the most long, they have some of the most long-lived people or highest percentage of long-lived people on the planet. So, you know, it's a blue, blue, blue zone. <laughs> <laughs> it's the country looks like a blue zone in spite of the fact that huge proportions of their men who are boomers now have smoked, which is, it's Shocking. astonishing. Yeah. Right? It's not it's like that in the United States. And yet the outcomes in the U.S. are so much worse. And so that's really interesting because smoking is definitely one of the big no-nos in the anti-aging world, right? We know that smoking affects us in so many negative ways, like from your skin aging to aging of the lungs and at a, the aging of the body at a cellular level, introducing toxins into the body that just in, you know, tops up the toxic load that we're exposed to in our environment. Why do you think the Japanese are getting away with it differently than other people? I think it's their diet, to be really honest. I think that they're very, um, the diet incorporates so much um, food as medicine mm. that I think it really acts in a protective way. So if we look at um, at some of the polyphenols, and I'm thinking of, um, you know, chlorella, nobilitin, and citrus peel, these are, these are quite interesting. And they take them on a regular basis. So they're effectively microdosing with things to counteract the negative effects of smoking. It would be the same with green tea. They are very mm -hmm. heavy consumers of green tea. But right. then you've got the epigallocatechins there, which would have a protective effect. So it's you know one of the only things I can think of as to how that population has avoided some of the, the negative health effects you would naturally associate with smoking. On yeah. such a large scale. Well, that and I'm, you know, I would I wonder if genetically also there, there are certain pathways that detoxify some of these acetylation pathways, some of the pathways of detoxification in they may just have more efficient pathways at the outset, um, which would Possible. add to which would add to what you just said, right? So in mm. addition to and it's funny, it's not like they're sitting there going, oh, I think I'll go have some green tea because I haven't had my dose of EGCG <laughs> today. It's just what they do, right? It's, yes. it's it's just part of the culture. So that's that's very, and then the other thing that it's funny, I have um, family members that are traveling to Japan in the next couple of days. And one of the things they were told about is, oh yeah, you'll see businessmen passed out on the street after a night of drinking and then they'll kind of pick themselves up and you'll step over the bodies and you get used to it. And then they'll pick themselves up, brush themselves off and go to work the next day. <laughs> and so there's this real interesting dichotomy. And I don't know if that's something of a new generation that is, you know, like a, as the stresses and strains and other cultures come in and exert their influence, if, if that's kind of what's starting to happen or you know, have they always been big drinkers as well? Do you it's, know? It's really, it's honestly been like since, since the 1970s. That's the salaryman culture. And um, I'm afraid that it's uh, chain smoking and uh, and lots of drinking together with, um, you know, with with shabu shabu um, late at night. That's, that's just kind of what they did. That's how they entertained and how they bonded. Right. Um, and it's extremely stressful on the body, as you can imagine. And yet, whatever practices they do during the day seem to counteract enough that 
from a from an epidemiological perspective, you look at this at this population as a whole, and they still do better than the United States. Yeah. So where of course people are eating donuts, right? Krispy Kreme mm-hmm. and eating mm-hmm. fast food. And, you know, you even think, oh, Jamba Juice, that's quote unquote healthy, but it's, you know, you're spiking your blood glucose constantly. Yeah. So maybe yeah. it's uh, that they are, they are doing, they're doing just enough of the right things mm-hmm. to counteract the bad. Whereas Americans may be <clears throat> microdosing the bad constantly. Right. right. Instead, they don't have that foundation yeah. of healthy practices so anyway, exactly. well, anyway, that's that's interesting. You know, the, the Japan is such an interesting place also because it's isolated as an island. So it's really its own kind of microcosm. So anyway, so out of Japan comes all of this really interesting research and work on in the space of autophagy and autophagy, as you said, cell renewal. People who've been listening to this podcast know that autophagy really stands for self-eating. So it's the cell once it hits a certain stage where it can't do its job anymore, will self-destruct. The body will absorb what it can to reuse products because the body doesn't like to waste stuff and then get rid of the things that it can't use um, as waste product. But as we age and because of our lifestyle habits, maybe autophagy doesn't happen as often. So we end up with a lot of dysfunctional cells in the system that not only are they not pulling their weight, but they're now negatively affecting other cells around them, which is as we get into cellular senescence. So maybe this is a good segue because we've now talked about two of the hallmarks of aging, <laughs> um, <laughs> right? Um, maybe this is this is where we kind of get into this whole idea of the hallmarks of aging, which interestingly enough, over the last year, there's been some really interesting movement in this space. We had gotten to a point where we kind of accepted the nine hallmarks of aging, which you were more than welcome to rattle off. And then the last (laughs) I heard, there were another three added. And now you just told me before we started recording that now there's another two added. And, you know, as people are sitting there kind of holding their heads going, oh my God, how many things can I possibly keep track of? Like how many new (laughs) things are they going to throw at us? I think it's important to understand that they are, many of them, if not all of them, are essentially interrelated. They- they you can take that 10,000 foot view and many of the big things that we'll talk about that you can do will ultimately affect several of these but maybe yes. let's just do a quick recap of the nine hallmarks of aging and then move oh, okay. into the next five that have come up okay so the good news is that um three of the five are things that are completely logical when you hear them you'll say oh of course those are hallmarks of aging so no one should be intimidated so i'll just recap the uh the initial nine which are epigenetic changes impaired proteostasis stem cell dysfunction mitochondrial dysfunction impaired intercellular communication telomere shortening uh, dna repair or protection Altered nutrient sensing, um, such as you know, insulin response and cellular senescence. So those are the original nine. So the additional three, and first I'll just say that 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 initial paper, which has been cited, I think over two or maybe even three thousand times mm-hmm. now since it was published in the early 2010s. Um, <clears throat> the author of that paper, Lopez Otin, updated it with three additional. Um, hallmarks and 
these are inflammation. So mm-hmm. nobody's going to be surprised there. No. Um, gut gut dysbiosis. Yeah. No surprises again. And impaired autophagy, which mm-hmm. is, it's all, oh, of course, those should all be hallmarks. Why weren't those hallmarks before? Right. Well, especially Um, because so much of what you see right now, like I was just looking at something and inflammation is literally at the center of all of these diagrams that you see of of systemic dysfunction. Right. Like we've been hearing about inflammation being involved now in virtually every chronic disease. Uh, whether it's low level inflammation or acute inflammation. I mean, we know acute inflammation has a role in health where that means you're yeah. going to get a spike of inflammation for a per- short period of time to help the body resolve an issue. And then the idea is that inflammation resolves and you go back to your non-inflamed state. Unfortunately, for most people, for many, many people now, there's this constant low burning fire going on um, in their bodies that is driving this 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 dysfunction. And of course, we've now evolved to this new term of inflammaging, which is, yes. you know, aging through inflammation, which I was just interviewing somebody else recently. And he said, you know, when they talk about their supplement, because they, they were marketing a supplement stack uh, for longevity, they're not allowed to use the word inflammation anymore because it's now a medical condition. And so they they can now use the, but they can use the term inflammaging because that is not a medical term. So interesting that, you know, the semantics start to get really tied up in politics and policy and, and all that kind of stuff. But all right, so let's take a step back. And before we move on to the next two hallmarks of aging, because I think the next two, they're more technical, right? They get yeah, deeper. Yeah, they're way more technical. They go deeper in, at a cellular level, whereas with no. inflammation, gut dysbiosis, and autophagy, autophagy is also very cellular, but I feel like more people have heard about autophagy than not. And maybe we can talk a little bit about those three and how they affect aging and frankly, how they even affect health, right? Your, our day-to-day ability to feel good and function in, in, in many different ways. Of course. Um, do you want me to start with those three or do you want me to talk about the other two? Yeah, I think let's, let's start with those three. I just, um, because I just feel like, you know, let's, let's give people something to hang on to here because the next two, I know when they hear the first one, there, a lot of people's eyes are going to glaze over because there's, there's, there's initials involved and it's, (laughs) you know, we're going to have to move into the cell and, and, and I think it's an interesting discussion for people to understand, but let's start with, with the more obvious 5,000 foot view ones. Like let's start with inflammation. Okay. Yeah. You've, you've already touched on it. I think you did a great job describing it and inflammation is terrific. I love the combination of the two. It really says it all. Um, In my own case with my own autoimmune condition, um, it was inflammation at the root of it caused by the second new hallmark, which is in this case, leaky gut. So gut dysbiosis. Interesting. And um, immune, the immune system lies at the heart of both of these. And there will be interplay with the immune system and autophagy as well. But what mm-hmm. I would like to, to talk about with gut dysbiosis, because it seems like there's an epidemic sure. of leaky gut. 
possibly because of all the horrible processed foods that we eat, possibly because of all the stress people are under, uh, not enough sleep, right? Um, as we age, the, uh, the gut lining's ability to repair itself diminishes. It is constantly uh, renewing cells all the time. You know, within 72 hours, you will have a new lining. That's just how quick it will actually replace itself. And as a result, you need to have the building blocks to actually do that process. And you can imagine that it's a very delicate process and can be set off course pretty easily by something like stress, for instance. Yeah. Um, right? Inflammation of the gut by things that are not good for us or things that are allergenic to us, which could be lectins, mm -hmm. for instance, could and, and gluten being the biggest lectin there is, could be things that we were never meant to have due to our uh, you know, to to what we have inherited, the gut biome we have inherited from our from our maternal line. Um, perhaps we're not meant to have dairy. Right. But taking those things in will lead to an inflammatory response in the gut. And the more you have that chronic inflammatory response in the gut, the more you have the chance of gut dysbiosis. So you can see how those two hallmarks are linked. Once the lining of the gut is compromised and those tight junctions open up, then you allow undigested proteins from the gut to go straight into the bloodstream where the immune system leaps into action. Yeah. And we rely on the immune system not only to identify pathogens as well as keep cancer at bay, recognize cancer and keep that at bay, but we also rely on the immune system to identify self from non-self. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, some proteins that get into the bloodstream may look like proteins that are on our thyroid or on our joints or in our tissues and organs. And this can lead to, uh, to lupus. This can lead to Hashimoto's thyroiditis. This can lead to rheumatoid arthritis, all three things which I was diagnosed with. So it's very important that the integrity of the gut lining stay nice and tight. And also that we have proper um, that we have the, the height of the villi, the little fingers inside. Yeah. Remember from from uh, biology, the shag carpet inside the gut. Mm -hmm. We want that to the villi to be nice and tall, mm -hmm. right? And so that there's more surface area to absorb nutrients. And what we find with gut dysbiosis is that actually the villi become stunted, um, the tight junctions open up. So not only are you triggering potentially an autoimmune attack in the bloodstream, but you're also not properly getting the nutrients from your food, mm -hmm. which again, just means building blocks for renewal and repair are not there. So those are those, are those two hallmarks and um, very personal to me. Now with regard to autophagy, we people now know it, I think. Yeah. And they I understand so. that cell renewal is really important. And if we think about how fast our hair, skin, and nails, how quickly they uh, regenerate. So if you have a cut, how quickly does it heal? Uh, how quickly does your hair grow out or your nails? Uh, this is actually an interesting proxy for how our gut lining is actually renewing as well, because mm -hmm. they all have very fast cellular turnover. Mm. And right. Right. And so, it, so it's very interesting to see that with um, 
with this cell renewal and turnover, we want to make sure that the new cells that come are actually good versions, right? Not mm-hmm. um, not broken or malformed versions of the cell. Right. And that's where autophagy leaps in to basically look for those, identify, properly identify the worn out cells and say, um, just like you would the tires on your car, right? The tread is gone. Mm-hmm. We need to actually... Uh, get rid of this. And if we're fasting, then the body actually in its wisdom knows that, oh, hey, we need to have some energy to keep going here. I know, let's burn those old tires with no tread to create energy. And that's what then happens. And that's why fasting is so powerful. So autophagy, very important to maintain cellular integrity and regeneration and repair. Right. And, you know, when we're talking about healthy aging, how amazing is it to think that? And I think people forget this a lot, that the body can regenerate, the body can self-renew if we're able to remove the obstacles and facilitate those processes. And you just mentioned fasting a minute ago. And fasting is one of those things that it's kind of gotten become a good news, bad news thing. I think that people live at opposite ends of the spectrum. You've got a big chunk of the population who's like, they couldn't, my my husband will joke about fasting. He goes, yeah, I fasted till snack time. And then I fasted till my <laughs> next meal. And then I fasted till the next snack. And he just like, the concept of fasting to him is so completely foreign. It's like, he couldn't even get begin to get his head around it. And at the other end of the extreme, you get people who've discovered fasting and have leaned into it to the point where they're actually overdoing it. They're actually fasting to the place where it's becoming catabolic to their system. Catabolic being things are getting broken down too much and there's no opportunity for anabolic processes, which is the rebuilding part. So they're becoming undernourished. They're not getting enough calories. They're not getting enough nutrients. And yet they're kind of stuck in this rut of, you know, this kind of badge of honor. I don't ever eat until two o'clock in the afternoon. And even then I'm just going to have a little something and then I'll have some soup and salad for dinner and I'm fine. And they're literally ingraining this kind of eating disorder into themselves. And, 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 and it's crazy because we start to see people whose hormones are completely out of whack, their body all of a sudden, you know, paradoxically is holding on to fat for dear life because the body basically thinks there's a famine so we must hang on to our resources for as long as humanly possible. Or they've got a lot of toxins in their system that's blocking, you know, elimination pathways. So they're kind of at war with their system. And so with the fasting, I just, you know, want to say, like, if we can hit that sweet spot with fasting where we're doing enough, but we're not doing so much, you're getting to that place where you're enabling the body to regenerate and renew, Right. Exactly. So, yes. And and I think one of the other things that I've seen with, uh, in particular, older people who want to have a sense of control over their aging, but can overdo it with fasting mm-hmm. and be almost slavish to the idea of a five-day water fast. Uh, I have met women who've done this who have lost the little muscle that they had. Right. So you don't want to do this 
choice if you're already quite slender and you don't have a lot of muscle because as you say, um, it's catabolic, right? And mm-hmm. can lead to sarcopenia, which is the last thing we want as we enter into our you know seventh, eighth, ninth decade. Yeah. We must keep that muscle so we can combat frailty. You don't want to fall over and break a hip. So, so there's definitely there's definitely a Goldilocks zone. It's like with all of these things, everything in moderation, the poison and the cure is in the dose. Mm-hmm. And we must always remember that. And um, and then if we can, for those of us like me, um, as a hypothyroid patient, I do go into this sense of famine if I fast for too long and I downregulate, um, I downregulate my metabolism, my body secretes reverse T3 to block my T3 receptors. So circulating available T3 for energy does not bind to the receptors. Mm. So I become tired and brain fogged. I have to use other things, geroprotectors that can activate autophagy, things like nobilitin or spermidine as a way to, um, you know, try to get the benefits of autophagy without having that catabolic um, effect or uh, the down regulation of metabolism. Nice. Yeah, no. And I think that's a great way to introduce the whole idea of polyamines. But before we do that, Let's touch on those last two. Actually, I wanted to ask you a question. When I heard um, about the the dysbio, the gut dysbiosis hallmark mm-hmm. of aging, yeah. I automatically went to the gut microbiome. Whereas you're you're you you really discussed the the gut lining, the integrity of the gut, which makes a lot of sense to me. But in in the gut dysbiosis hallmark of aging, are they including? microbiome imbalances as well? Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. That microbiome is so critical to our immune system, to our mental health, to our digestion, to our ability to produce nutrients that we need, absorb nutrients we also need, so. Absolutely, it's um, it's really, really interesting. The work of Rob Knight at um, UC San Diego and CU uh, Boulder and also Tim Spector here in the UK on the gut biome and how actually it's possible for the gut biome to manufacture not just vitamins and neurotransmitters, but um, things that mimic insulin, for Mm. instance. Mm-hmm. Or there was even some uh, some research out of Washington University of St. Louis last summer about how orange pulp, the stuff which the uh, the juice industry, you know, Tropicana is throwing away in mm. the you know tens of tons every year. How actually that fiber in oranges can be used as a raw material by bacteria to make a neurotrans uh, to make a serotonin mimetic. Yeah, yeah, which well, is like it's amazing. But it, and that speaks to the value of eating the whole food like this weird this weird human kind of obsession with with taking parts of things and consuming them like the idea of juice and i mean i get it you know you get bored with your water or whatever but juice as a food is not natural to the human body (laughs) like the human body would would be what would be natural is eating as much of that whole fruit as humanly possible possibly not the peel although i think we would both agree that there are there are things there are elements of peels of citrus peel that are incredibly beneficial to human health yeah and the pith for sure like the white 
Well, so we, I think that we have, we think that they're not of value to us. They're not actually, they're of value to the mitochondria and the gut biome. That's what's so interesting. So, you know, whenever you feed yourself, if you're thinking to give yourself Krispy Kreme, you have to also get, you know, some steamed broccoli at the same time just to feed the mitochondria in the yeah. in the gut biome, right? Yeah. You must always feed yourself one for you, one for them. And if you do that, then you can stay in this nice homeostasis because they really are there to unlock nutrients and uh, and these neurotransmitters from the uh, from the fiber and uh, and for the benefit of their host, which is us. Right. Yeah. yeah, you are a so, community. <laughs> you are a community. Exactly. That's absolutely that's absolutely right. So it does include it does include the gut, the gut biome, of course. For absolutely. Sure. Okay, yeah. so our next two contestants in the um in the Hallmarks <laughs> of Aging uh parade here yeah. is we have um altered mechanism of oh no, it's dysregulated RNA process. I was actually reading yeah. the um the description and then and then the next one is the altered mechanism mechanical properties mechanical properties which really we're really now we're drilling into the cell so rna you guys this is genetic material so don't run away we're we're going to (laughs) simplify this for you it's really the process by which your body makes new proteins Yes, absolutely so this is part of the renewal process right autophagy is going to break things down RNA is how your body produces things that build things up. Yes, absolutely. So it's involved in the transcription and delivery of genetic instructions from the nucleus to the cytoplasm where those proteins are made. But interestingly enough, um, the two regulatory pathways of RNA splicing and for autophagy are actually intertwined. So um, cellular trash that autophagy gets rid of can include poorly made RNAs, Mm. which is very interesting. And then conversely, if you have, um, you know, dysregulated splicing activity, that actually leads to, to dysfunctional autophagy or autophagic activity. And the reason you don't want dysfunctional autophagy is because um, we autophagy does not get bad because we age. We age because autophagy is dysfunctional. Right. Yeah. Chicken is so, we, we've answered the chicken or the egg here. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So as long as we keep autophagy working fine, then the aging process can be slowed down. Yeah. Or in some cases, you know, I would argue that in my personal case, where I was told, oh, you have five years left to live, and now I've, you know, I'm 15, 18 years since that initial diagnosis. So 13 years um, past that, you know, live past that, uh, I would say that I was able to reverse age. Mm-hmm. So it's so it is very important, and certain things can cause dysregulation and autophagy. And one of them is this, um, you know, this impaired RNA splicing. So that's, that is one of, that is one of the things. And then the other thing is this altered mechanical properties. And, um, you know, an example, there, there are a couple of ways, actually, there are three ways that this can express itself in the, in the, in the, in aging in the body. 
But I think the one that people will really get is the um, the extracellular matrix and increased rigidity and loss of elasticity there that arises through glycation. I think probably your people have heard of glycation, right? No, let's let's just let's talk about it quickly. So glycation. Can you maybe explain what glycation is? So, and- uh, so it's cross-linking. So, um, and and one of the one of the the best ways um, I think for women to get this, you know, you think about wrinkles. Well, cross-linking of collagen is going to lead to wrinkles, right? Yeah. And um, but it also when you have collagen molecules that are cross-linking inside, it's not just wrinkles on the outside it leads to problems inside. And these can be things like uh, hypertension together with, um, you know, with kidney uh, disease or neurological defects. And it can also uh, contribute to accelerated aging seen in patients with diabetes, for instance. Right. So it's, that's actually quite, quite important. So that, that is the, you know, that's the, the fifth hallmark. In fact, Evandra Fang at the University of Oslo, who wrote that paper um, showing these new hallmarks, actually had a sixth one too. Oh no! But it was just a, it was, no. It was just a, it was just a big question mark. Don't, okay. don't worry. It was just a big question mark because you know we don't know what we don't know. Hey guys, I interrupt this episode very briefly to bring you a very special offer from our sponsor for this episode, which is none other than Oxford Healthspan with Primadine. So if you're loving what you're hearing and you can't wait to hear the rest of this, I just want to remind you that there's a very special offer for you on this podcast. All you have to do is go to OxfordHealthSpan.com and you get to save 15% off your first purchase by using discount code BIONAT15. So that's BIONAT15 at OxfordHealthSpan.com on your next order of Primadine. And now let's get back to the show. There's no doubt that the deeper we get into this or the deeper researchers get into this, I'm not the one doing the work, but the deeper researchers get into (laughs) this, the greater understanding they're gaining of the human body and what's what's really happening at a cellular level, the more they're going to start to tease out these different processes. But then the question really becomes, well, what can we do about it, right? Like, what can we do about, you know, my, my my altered mechanical processes, like the stiffening of, of the extracellular matrix or, you know, the buildup of, of, of advanced glycation end products, which Mm. I know Sandy Kaufman, who's one of your scientific board advisors, like she talks about that. As a matter of fact, I think she pops like seven pills a day to counteract it or something. She does. <laughs> going out for lunch with Sandy Love is Sandy. hilarious. <laughs> she, she pulls out one of these little jars she has filled with supplements and she just chucks a handful and with every meal. This um, is the mark of biohacking bestie. She gave me like 10 of those little jars. She did? <laughs> yeah. So I, can, so I can go around with my own Sandy Kaufman, uh, you know, biohacking, anti-glycation and product stack. Yeah. That's hilarious. So now we have 14 hallmarks of aging. So everybody is, has some understanding (laughs) of why they're aging from the inside. We both know that there are many different things that we can do to slow these processes down in some cases, stop them. And yet in other cases, even maybe reverse them, right? In the case of looking at the first nine hallmarks of aging, we can telomeres, 
we can protect those buddies like or we think we can i mean there's some really great work happening around uh preventing telomere shortening and elongating telomeres there's the bioregulator peptides there's you know, there's things like um, extracts from astragalus, like there's all these people are definitely and polyamines, yep. which is going to segue beautifully into our next topic, which is the role that polyamines can play. So when you and I first talked about first met and back in that episode in December 2020, I think at the time we were saying that polyamines can positively impact five of the hallmarks of aging with mm. the possibility you were waiting for confirmation on the sixth. The confirmation on the sixth came a few months later. So then we're running around saying polyamine, six of the hallmarks of aging. But now we've got five new hallmarks of aging. And let's talk a little bit about how polyamines can, and I know they do because I know we talk about it a lot, um, where they kind of can come into play and maybe what polyamines are. Yes. Okay. So polyamines are, as you can guess from the name, it has amines in it. It is derived from amino acids. So if we look at, say, uh, probably the most famous polyamine is spermidine, that is from the amino acids L-ornithine and methionine. So, and you can see the poly, two amines, right? Um, Other polyamines are spermine and putrescine. Putrescine is a precursor to both spermine and uh, and spermidine. And spermine is important for DNA methylation. So, and I know you have talked about that on your show because I've certainly heard you talk about it before. (laughs) So with regard to, to polyamine, and longevity and the hallmarks of aging. Yes, that that sixth hallmark that we were waiting for confirmation for was telomere attrition. We knew it already impacted, um, you know, mitochondrial and stem cell dysfunction, uh, impaired protein folding in the cell, epigenetic changes, um, and impaired intercellular communication. So those were the initial six. But with regard to these additional five, the, you know, one hallmark alone is autophagy. Yeah, it's and a big one. One thing, <laughs> yeah, it's a big one. So uh so spermidine does activate autophagy. And there's some great work by Professor Hanjo on how activation of autophagy by spermidine helps with the with the rejuvenation of um the immune system such that recognition of cancer cells is enhanced. Now, more research needs to be done here, but Hanjo was the co-author on that paper, and he was the co-laureate with James Allison in 2018 for his work on cancer. Um, and so it's a it's it's a paper that I think is worth reading that came out in October of 2022. And he is working together with the Japan Autophagy Consortium on this Amazing. very on this very yeah. topic. Then if we look at things like um, like the gut biome and the fact we know the gut biome itself can manufacture these polyamines mm-hmm. when we're young. It is a it is a source of plentiful polyamine production. And um, and that's that is necessary for growth. That's why babies have such high polyamine levels in them. And it's very interesting. I was reading a paper, I think. You might have seen this paper too. I think our mutual friend Amy Lamott sent it to you on pregnancy. And yes. she yes, just sent it to me last night, actually. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it talks about, right, it's the, from the Annals of Gynecology and Reproductive Health Research, and it basically talks about how the placenta is very high in putrescine. And again, putrescine is, so for those who don't know, the placenta is what feeds the baby in utero and what some people will, you know, will take and either plant by a tree or maybe eat um, or take stem cells from. Mm -hmm. And, um, but the fact that it is full of putrescine, the precursor to spermine and spermidine is, uh, is fascinating. So once the baby begins to gestate, then more spermidine and spermine are then manufactured for the baby's survival. And of course, once the baby comes out, it's getting lots of uh, these polyamines in human breast milk, um, which have also about 50% of human breast milk is fructooligosaccharides, yeah. indigestible to the um, to the infant um, gastrointestinal tract, but digestible by the colonies of healthy bacteria that the mother has essentially bequeathed to her baby as the baby passes through the birth canal, passes the cecum, which has some of that stool, and then it goes into the baby. So absolutely fascinating. But going back to these polyamines and um, and um, and gut dysbiosis, spermidine and spermine and putrescine are absolutely necessary to lengthen the villi the you know the shag carpet mm. fingers inside the inside the gut they're absolutely necessary for sealing up that gut and that's that's fascinating to me about how it can seal it up mm -hmm. um because we know that again when we eat something that, that causes inflammation one of the reactions of the gut is to is to open those junctions yeah which is is frankly dangerous for us so um, so they do have polyamines do have a role to play um, with with the gut and inflammation. Um, well, they're anti-inflammatory and um, that's, you know, I don't think I have to say anymore, yeah. um, whether you're looking at something like uh, curcumin or nobilitin or spermidine, these are all anti-inflammatories as well as autophagy activators. So, um, so that's, that's good. Those are those additional three uh, hallmarks that have been impacted by polyamines. And then if we look at these additional two rather technical ones. So the altered mechanical properties, we know that um, one of the things I didn't talk about was um, how cells move around. They use a kind of spider web type material uh, called F-actin. Yeah. And that's what's needed to kind of, they adhere to a surface and they kind of pull themselves, right? And um, they are constantly breaking that F-actin down and then putting it out again. So you could imagine that that machinery is, is very delicate. And when, when F-actin is not broken down properly, it can lead to sort of sludge and then the cells can't move properly. Mm. Well, autophagy is critical in disassembling that F-actin. Yeah. And uh, so that would be, you know, polyamines there because they activate autophagy. Then you've got, you know, some impact there. With regard to dysregulation of RNA processing, I talked earlier about how they're actually, there's a crosstalk between them, yeah. right? With autophagy, and yeah. Yeah, exactly. So effectively, um, we have the initial six, 
we have the new five. That's 11 of the 14. Um, the three that we are still waiting on are DNA um, repair, altered nutrient sensing, and cell senescence. So, um, but polyamines are, they're quite, they're quite amazing. So the well, more frankly, of these that you can get into your diet, the better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, even if they only ever did the 11 out of 14, that's, that's an overwhelming majority right there. So, yeah. so let so let's move now into how do people get polyamines into their diet? I mean, we are going to get to the supplement, but there's lots of other ways that people yes. can get polyamines into their bodies. And I would say that it's important to be tapping into all these sources, right? Because yes, yes, because just relying on one or the other is, well, it's leaving you open to gaps. And so, yeah, and I, yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I mean, you, so to, much of your so much of your communication speaks to dietary polyamines, like bringing polyamines into your system through diet through diet as well as other means. So maybe let's absolutely. just talk about that for. I mean, we don't have that yes. many, you know, we, we want it to be an hour. I think we're going to be an hour and a quarter. So let's. <laughs> okay. We'll snap it. We'll be snappy end. about it. Okay. <laughs> so, so why, why this is important to get it from food sources. Um, there have been studies done on the, uh, the heart protective effects of lycopene um, taking a supplement versus taking the tom tomatoes themselves. And it seems that the tomatoes are going to win out. So mm -hmm. that that's actually quite fascinating to me. And I've always said to people who have joint issues, oh, you're taking quercetin, don't forget to take capers because capers are full of quercetin, right? <laughs> so why not do both? And one of the reasons why is just like Dr. Terry Walls, the, uh, the MS patient advocate, mm -hmm. um, I'm a big believer that we don't know all of the other compounds Absolutely. that are in these these uh, these fruits and vegetables. We have not identified some of them. And you know, a great example of this is with um, with um, you know with Okinawan lime, where the peel had been used in traditional Japanese kampo medicine for centuries. Nobody knew why it was meant to be good for longevity until. We recently discovered the molecule nobilitin. Oh, terrific. Mm. Well, what does nobilitin do? Aha, it activates autophagy. So there are many other molecules in foods, in whole food sources, and you want to be getting those things in to you that way. And with the polyamines, I always say, try if you can to get some Japanese natto, which is fermented soy. It is, it does have an unusual mouth feel. Uh, it is a bit like the spider webs used in F-actin <laughs> um, uh, for cell motility. Um, but, uh, Try to try to persevere if you can, because it's a great source of it. The longer you ferment it, the more the spermidine level is. The amount of spermidine, spermine, and putrescine in there will vary from batch to batch. So just longer fermentation. Um, again, that might be why the Japanese salary man can recover from his sake-induced stupor uh, yeah. from the night before. As he has um, his bowl of uh, natto in the his morning. His bowl of breakfast. rice and natto first thing in the morning, exactly, and his green tea, right? So, um, so I would I would suggest looking there as well as things like mushrooms. Legumes, peas, legumes. I know some people can't do legumes because of the lectins, but if you, you know, if you're using um, one of those, oh, what do you call them? Those a pressure, pressure cookers. 
Exactly. Then you can reduce the lectin load that way. Same with tomatoes, although tomatoes don't have so much in the way of of polyamines. So those would be great ways to get it. And it's very very important that it goes through the gut biome. Mm -hmm. You want, again, that fiber, looking again to that work from from Washington University in St. Louis on how the gut biome is mining the fiber in order to create more metabolites, more things that are beneficial to you, whether they're nutrients, uh, vitamins, or neurotransmitters, you want that, right? Mm-hmm. And the gut biome is capable of making more of these polyamines. So it's a wonderful, um, you know, virtuous uh, recycling loop if we can if we can provide that fiber to the gut biome. Um, and if you're going to do, you know, a supplemental, um, a supplemental spermidine, I would suggest getting it again from a whole food source. Mm-hmm. And there are places where you get it in nature where it comes with these other polyamines, spermine, again, for DNA methylation and putrescine as a precursor to both. Um, I like to think of um, the of, of putrescine as kind of like non-heme iron. You know, the body's still got to convert it. So there is a load that the body's got to take to convert. That's why it's nice that you have spermine and spermidine already together in, for instance, uh, food-derived wheat germ, um, Mm -hmm. where you can get spermidine, spermine, and putrescine from that. And then, um, you know, another source would be, uh, there is one substrain that I have identified in Japan that uh, has high amounts of spermidine and putrescine, not spermine, but putrescine. So that would be another source. It's a chlorella. Yeah, Yeah. it's a substrain. So some strains don't have so much much, uh, in the way of spermidine. Um, This one has no iodine. A lot of them have a lot of iodine. So it really does depend. Every batch is going to vary and every strain will be different in terms of nutritional makeup. But those would be two places to get it. And again, having it pass through the gut biome is so important for the integrity of the gut, but also there is, um, chlorella has prebiotic fibers in it. And, um, you know, for us, for the supplement, that I wanted to make for uh, the polyamine supplement, I made sure that we had a prebiotic fiber in there, a resistant, um, a resistant fiber starch that goes straight to your gut bug buddies that are in there mining away. Think of them as like, you know, the seven dwarves (laughs) finding you jewels, right? And bringing them back to you snow white at the end of the day. And uh, it's very, it's very important to make sure you've got the fiber there. And also not to do, um, I've seen liposomal versions and this makes no sense to me. Would you take liposomal uh, amino acids? No. Yeah. Right. Right. And so there's really no need to do it. It's kind of a marketing gimmick. And you're also bypassing that step in the gut and there's no fiber. Also, all of the liposomal versions are synthetic. So uh, there is this question around synthetics versus food derived. And even if they look like two dimensional molecular mimics, um, they can, you know, are these molecules, just like we were talking about protein folding before the call started, um, proteins are three dimensional. Mm -hmm. And to, um, to be a perfect 
not just a mirror image mimic. Um, you you need to have a three dimensional copy, right? Yeah. And food provides the three dimensional version of these polyamines for gut repair, for the microbiome, for all of these other hallmarks of aging that they can impact. But if you take a two dimensional molecular mimic, it's not um, it's not the same fit. So I like to think of it like your left hand and your right hand are perfect two dimensional molecular mimics. I can put them right up to each each other. And yet if I had leather gloves and I took the leather glove from my left hand and tried to put it on my right, it simply would not fit. Yeah. Right. So they yeah. are not, they're not the same. And synthetic, I've seen many synthetics and I must say caveat emptor because they have never been tested for safety or efficacy, and they are not even allowed in the EU. They are not allowed. That's why the European Food Safety Authority has said the upper limit for supplemental food-derived spermidine is six milligrams, and they say food-derived spermidine. So synthetic, synthetic is not allowed on the market, but it's simply not regulated in the rest of the world. So we see these things coming to market, and everyone says, oh, in the mouse studies, in the rat studies, and I always say, do not forget that the best example of where things went very pear-shaped with reliance on rat studies was thalidomide. Mm -hmm. And thalidomide had been used as a sedative, had been shown to be safe in rodents. And yet, once it got to humans, we know about that whole generation of thalidomide babies that arrived in the 50s and 60s without limbs. Yeah. So yeah. we don't know what we don't know. But with food-derived sources, we have co-evolved for thousands of years with mm -hmm. these food sources. Taking them in a concentrated form is not going to harm us, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that is that is very that's very important. The only other thing I will I will mention when it comes to how to observe these supplements is also look for ones that have removed. If you're doing a wheat germ version, look for the ones that have removed the fragile omega six fatty acids. And I was talking to Dr. Richard Sue, who's the director of aging research at King's College London, I guess last week about this, and he said the problem with having leaving the fatty acids in those products is that um is that they go those omega-6s go rancid very quickly they oxidize very quickly and what does the body do with lipids any lipid any fat it will use for the outside of the cell membrane yeah however with um with an oxidized lipid the cell membrane is not it's not perfectly sealed and the contents of the cell will begin to leak out so he called it leaky cell interesting when you have leaky cell you provoke an immune response mm -hmm. so again just like leaky brain leaky gut you can have this leaky cell and that's also not a good thing so look for ones that have removed that fat in the same way that bakers don't want the omega-6 um, you know, they don't want the wheat germ in their bread because it causes the bread to not be shelf stable for very long. Yeah. Uh, you don't want it actually, unless you're getting it fresh from the mill, then by all means have as much wheat germ as you want. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, those are great points. And I think the, you know, I think there's, um, there's a rash of, more is better going on right now when it comes to spermidine. I mean, you get people jamming like 10 milligrams in a dose um, 
And, yep. and I'm sure out there there's consumers who are like, well, 10 is good, 20 must be better kind of thing. Um, <laughs> the poison is always in the dose. Yeah. And uh, I, you and, know, and, yeah. and, and I keep going back to with the, certainly with the original, but I think you see, you're, you're seeing this with both formulas that you have. You have the original formula, which is wheat germ based. And then you've got the the new, well, the new kid, which is not that new anymore. Your gluten-free formula, which is the chlorella base with the nobilitin. I mean, I actually think that formula is super interesting. Like in a perfect world, I would see people alternating between the two formulas to get that nobilitin and curcumin and, you know, because you source your ingredients so I don't know, like you're just so all from Okinawa. Yeah, yeah. everything's yeah. from and they, it's all from yeah. It's all from volcanic soil, the um the turmeric and the um the shikawasa. The problem is the farmers are very tiny and they just don't have the money to get the organic certification, but they are farming organically. For sure. And um I'm actually looking forward to visiting them both in a few weeks' time, which oh, is going so to be fantastic. Exciting. I'll be posting pictures on my I'll on my Instagram feed. Absolutely. <laughs> but what I was driving at it was that, you know, with your supplements, with a relatively seemingly tiny dose, right? We're getting, if we're doing a single dose, like the three capsules of the wheat germ or two capsules of the gluten-free, you're getting around one milligram of spermidine, which a lot of people would say, well, pff, big whoop, like that, how's that going to make an impact? And yet, I, you know, I know that I've gotten this from my clients and I know you are swamped with letters from people who are like, oh my God, my hair, my skin, my nails, my nails are growing so fast. My hair is growing so fast. My skin looks better. I've had women who've, I have one client who reached out to me and said, you are not going to believe this story, dude. But I was using <laughs> like, literally she's talking like this. She's like, so I was using my primadine and then I ran out and then I got all these hot flashes and you know, and then I realized, and and she hadn't put two and two together. She goes, you know, so then I finally got around to reordering my supplement. It comes in and lo and behold, in a matter of days, the hot flashes are gone. I can't oh, yeah, believe I, it, uh, right? I had, so, I had someone mention exactly the same thing. A woman who's about 56 said exactly the same thing to me the other day. I think that what it is, it's, um, it's that old maxim, quality, not quantity. And don't forget mm -hmm. that we've got the other, we've got the precursor putrescine to both in there. We also, so it's like having in the chlorella version, the chlorella nobilitin and turmeric version, it's like having uh, heme iron and non-heme iron both in together, right? Yeah. So you can think of it that way. And then with the with primadine original, you've actually got all three polyamines, so the spermine there for the DNA methylation. And I think that is, uh, you know, that's important, but then both. Now the gluten-free has a prebiotic as well. So both of them have prebiotic fibers, which feed the gut biome. And drive that, your own production. Yeah. And drive your own production, right? Yeah. And why waste the body's innate wisdom? No. And not only that, like how cool would it be someday if you're able to measure how much spermidine is, extra spermidine is generated in the gut? I mean, I don't know if that's even possible. People are working you, on, people but, are working on how to do that. They haven't figured it out yet, but people yeah. are trying. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. but that would be a super interesting question to ask because- Definitely the impact of the supplement seems to outstrip the dose that's on the bottle, right? That we've yeah. seen that we just keep seeing over and over again. So anyway, 
I think we're coming up on time and I wow, would invite, amazing. Good for I would, us. I would like to invite you to, you know, you're, you have so much wisdom. You share such amazing stuff on social media, Leslie, and all the interviews that you do and the work that you're doing. If you could leave the, the audience with your top kind of suggestions for longevity and health span, and obviously consuming polyamines is going to be one of them, but but what are the things that kind of supersede that? I mean, you are of Japanese descent, so you have that long-lived blood in your coursing through your veins and seeing <laughs> your stunning hair and skin. Like you guys <laughs> got to meet this person in person. I'm just saying. Um, so, <laughs> flattery will get you everywhere. I'm, I'm taking you out to dinner next time. Amazing. Um, <laughs> I'm actually so so yeah so uh, so yes my my gut biome I have uh, I have studied and is very similar to that of a Japanese. I am actually half. Taiwanese, but they are they are Taiwanese. islands. It's an island close to Okinawa, and it's it's not so different in terms of how um, they lead their lives. So uh, I would say uh, gratitude number one, um, relationships, community, love number two, probably hari harihachibu. That's the saying on Okinawa: only eat eighty percent. Right? I love that. Yeah. Don't eat gorge yourself. Yeah. Eat, eat intentionally. Start the meal by saying, I'm eating, I'm only eating four-fifths of this. And um movement, joyful movement, not necessarily movement where you are beating yourself up because you didn't do 30 reps in the gym, but joyful movement where you are marveling at yeah. something and it could just be dancing in your kitchen which i love to do or it could be hiking up a mountain and seeing the sunrise and marveling at that but i think that awe is important mm -hmm. and uh sleep such an underrated free method of staying healthy for longer <clears throat> um absolutely sleep light sunlight right and making sure you get that early morning light get sunlight on your skin uh get that skin callus going and uh, not to you know not too much exposure but keep your vitamin d levels up and um and then yes then diet and don't forget to feed your mitochondria <laughs> yeah. always yeah no feeding your mitochondria and so all right, so we're going to dive one more level down. How would you feed your mitochondria? Ah, uh, well, always, always get some, always get some fiber and some resistant starch into your diet, and it can be, um, you know, vegetables. What's wrong with good old vegetables? Fibrous yeah. vegetables, right? I, I, I've never had a problem, you know. In in Asia, people in East Asia, people begin breakfast with last night's vegetables. Listen, this right? is my house, right? My son pulls the leftovers from last night's dinner out for his dinner, for his breakfast, I mean, his first meal of the day. And and make vegetables part of it. I, yeah. I don't know, I can't remember when my mother was not eating vegetables for breakfast. It's very, very common. Or a tiny piece of fish um, for those omega, those omega threes. But you you've got to get the whole food in. If you're going mm. to have, if you want orange juice, have the whole thing. Remember that Washington U St. Louis study, your gut biome 
is waiting to release, to unlock those neurotransmitters and vitamins from the fiber. So Beautiful. eat the whole thing. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So it all comes down to lifestyle, right? And then, and then we can top it off with, uh, with a couple of good supplements and, you know, if anybody's interested in trying out your supplements, which I have to say are above the pale when it comes to, to quality and how you source them. So they can go to oxfordhealthspan.com. Is that correct? Correct. You've given the listeners a beautiful discount code of Bionat15. So you can save 15% off your order. And I think that's it. Where else can people find you, Leslie? Where can they connect with you and follow your amazing work? Because you are so active in the field. So um, I always learned well, so much from yes. you. <laughs> Thank you. The The other place is the Oxford Longevity Project. And that's kind of my passion that I do with Professor Dennis Noble, Sir Christopher Ball, and Dr. Paul Chen. So all, you know, Oxford College doctor, Oxford College Master and Oxford University um, Emeritus Physiologist, and then me, the patient. <laughs> and um, and we have, you know, we have more webinars and symposia coming up. We have an event this um, this coming 8th of July in Oxford at Keeble College. So nice. if people want to see inside an Oxford college and have lunch and hall, just like Harry Potter, they, they should come to uh, to Oxford for the day for that. And uh, then also, um, yes, I, I think Leslie's New Prime is my Instagram handle. You'll find you'll find things there as well. Beautiful. And then uh, the main the main Instagram handle for is Oxford Healthspan is or Prime Oxford Healthspan. Yeah, because well, I know you've so changed we, that we've a moved. Bit. Yeah, yeah, we've moved. We've moved the Primadine uh, account over to Oxford Healthspan. So all the old content is still there, but uh, going forward, we'll unify it all and. Oxford Healthspan. Beautiful. Well, Leslie, as always, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for everything today. Great conversation. And I will look forward to our next conversation when the next five hallmarks of aging come crashing through the door. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Lots of love. Thank you. You too. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application, just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.